Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Good morning. It's good to be here and have the opportunity to share with you. My name is Dave Butts. I work with Harvest Prayer Ministries, and we travel all over the world teaching on prayer, helping Christians grow, draw near to the Lord and churches to become a house of prayer. When I say all over the world, I mean it. Uh, Friday, we came back from Israel, and uh, so I'm a little bit confused about when and where I am uh, time-wise. Since you're here, I'm assuming it's a Sunday. Uh, so uh, it's, it's good to be here. We're uh, going to go back again next March when we travel to Israel. We, uh, we take a prayer journey and uh, take Christians to, to pray on site in biblical places. It was a remarkable time, but it's, uh, it's good to be back uh, in time to, to share with you all. You know, I told you my name was Dave, but my real name is David. Now, the reason I mention that, it's what the sermon's about. I remember years ago, as a, as a young boy, going to my parents and asking them why they named me David. Now, the reason I asked that is no one in my family was named David. You know how there's kind of a family name often, parents you know, uncles, grandfathers, someone had a name and you got that. No one in my family was named David. So I asked my dad once, why did you name me David? My dad thought for a minute and he says, well, I always wanted a son who would be a man after God's own heart. (sighs) Thanks, dad, no pressure there. But what that did, though, for me, was, was to create a, a lifelong study of this man in the Old Testament named David, of whom God said, this is a man after my own heart. Now, David is in some sense a most unusual man after God's own heart. Uh, David was a pretty good example of a sinner. You know, he had adultery in his life, he had murder, he had family problems that wouldn't quit. I mean, in a real way, David's life was a mess, but he was God's mess. And he had a passion for God that wouldn't let go. So as I have studied uh, the writings and life of David, and almost two-thirds of the Psalms were written by David, I have discovered, I believe, why God said of David... This is a man after God's own heart. And not only that, but all of the future kings of Israel were going to come from the lineage of David, including the king of kings, the Messiah. Jesus himself would be known as the son of David. What an amazing privilege for David. As you try to discover why he was a man after God's own heart, I have turned to Psalm 27, verse 4, and have used that uh, in my own life as a part of my prayers for probably at least 40 years. I've been praying every day, Psalm 27, verse 4, because I believe that in that one verse, I find why God said of David, this guy David, for all of his flaws, is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm looking for in my creator, in my creation, among those who would follow me. David had a passion for God that would not quit. 
in spite of the troubles in his life, in spite of the flaws in his own life, in spite of everything else, what David wanted more than anything else was God himself. Listen to Psalm 27, verse 4, just one verse. David prayed this prayer. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. In a very real sense, David comes to God and he says, God, I only want one thing from you. It's not money, and it's not power, it's not things. God, what I want is you. You're really all I want. I I, want to dwell with you. I I want to continually look on you. Wherever you are, that's where I want to be. And God, in a sense, saw the heart of David and said, now, that's what I'm looking for. No one's going to live a life of perfection. We're all going to make mistakes, and David's a great example of that. But we can be like David. And we can have that passionate desire to walk close to the Lord. And that's what David had. When I saw that years ago, I, I grabbed that verse and I began praying it. Day after day after day. I don't know that there's been a day in the last 40 years I haven't prayed that. But I will tell you this. Some, somewhere uh, back in 2017, things changed for me. And I began praying that a little differently. Uh, some of you kind of know this story, but uh, I discovered early in 2017 that uh, I had cancer. Uh, It was a a rare form of lymphoma called mantle cell lymphoma. And uh, I was at stage four. So if you know cancer, you know that there's no stage five. Uh, It was uh, was pretty serious at that point. The doctor wasn't giving me a lot of of hope for the future. Uh, We had a lot of prayer going to that from a lot of people all over literally all over the planet. It's kind of interesting. If you spend 20-some years teaching on prayer, there's a lot of people out there who have learned some things about prayer, and they were praying for me. With the chemo, which was the, the method that they were going to use, you know how, how they typically would do that. You go into a cancer center, and they, they give you some chemo for that day, and then you go home. I, I couldn't do that. It was too far along, so they they plopped me in the hospital and gave me a chemo solid, just, just literally 24-7 for a week. And uh, then I'd go home for two weeks to recover from that and then back in for a week. And we did that from February through June in 2017. Uh, not, not, a, not a fun time, but an extraordinary time uh, of the presence of God. Uh, literally was able to write a book while I'm in the hospital called Prayer, Peace, and the Presence of God because that's really what we were experiencing was the presence of God working, working in us, my wife and I uh, there. Uh, we, we had some marvelous times, not easy times, but marvelous times there. Well, one of the times when I was home and things were still uncertain as to how it was going to be turning out, and by the way, I should go ahead and tell you, uh, this particular type of cancer has no cure. 
so, uh, so I can't say that I don't have it. However, I'm in complete remission and there's no sign of cancer in my body. So I'll take that, okay? Um, yeah, yeah, thank you, God. During one of those times when I was home, uh, I would find myself often getting up in the middle of the night and uh, I would just walk around and pray. And, and when you do that, you find yourself going back again and again to the things that you're used to praying. So I'd be praying lots of things, but typically I found myself going back often to Psalm 27 verse 4. That's just part of my life. That's what I pray. And I was praying that one night, and after, I don't know, an hour or so of prayer, I went back and sat down in my recliner. And as I sat down, I can only say it this way, I, I heard from the Lord. Now, I don't hear audible voices. What I heard was that, that still small voice of God, that, that thought that came in, it was very clear from the Lord. And the Lord simply said, David, what are you asking of me? I, I responded with that, that clear theological insight for which I'm known. I said, huh? And God said again, David, what do you want me to do for you? And that was it. I heard nothing else. Well, that caused me to get my Bible out and immediately look again at Psalm 27, verse 4, what I had just been praying. And as I looked at that, it came into just astonishing clarity for me that, that the one thing that I was asking really broke down into, into three things. Three things that really I had been building my life around, and I want to suggest to you that if you want to be a man or woman after God's own heart, there are things that you and I can begin to do, very simple things that we ask of the Lord that allow us to draw near to him. It really came around these three things, to dwell, to gaze, and to seek. Three very, very simple things. To dwell, to gaze, and to seek. They're all involved prayer, asking God. The first thing was simply, I want to dwell in your house all the days of my life. And I have to tell you, first of all, I am so glad that the Spirit of God led David to write that last phrase, all the days of my life. Because when we start talking about the house of God, we typically start thinking about heaven. Now, I, I got to tell you, when you're walking around with stage four cancer and you, you think a lot about heaven, <laughs> just to be honest. But that isn't what David was talking about. He was talking about the here and now. He says, I want to dwell in your house all the days of my life. He's talking about right now. He's talking about where you and I live Today, we need to understand that through Jesus Christ, you and I have been given access to the Father. And we get to live with him. We get to dwell in his house. It's not just a matter of heaven someday. It's a matter of the here and now. One of my favorite passages is found in John, Gospel of John, 
chapter 23, Jesus is teaching, and he said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Don't you love that? Jesus said that he and the Father will come to us, and they will make their home with us. My good friend Dick Eastman of Every Home for Christ was was teaching on this passage to a group of Japanese believers. And as he read that verse, one of the Japanese believers interrupted him and said, oh, oh, we translate that verse that God comes in with an easy chair and sits in it. I like that. God doesn't show up with a suitcase for a visit. He comes with a piece of furniture. He comes with an easy chair to sit in it. It's not a visit. It's dwelling. You see, for too much of our Christian life, we look at Christianity as a a series of meetings. I'm so glad you're here today, but you do understand, of course, that the Christian life isn't just about being here on Sunday. It's about dwelling. It's about where you live. Sometimes I I will talk to a Christian and say, well, how's, how's your Christian life going? And the answer is, oh, you know, it's kind of, it's up and down, and sometimes I feel close, and sometimes I don't. And I, I, I understand that feeling sort of thing, but they're not, they're not answering my, my question. Because you see, the Christian life isn't about up or down, or in and out. It's about where do you live? Where do you dwell? I'm old enough that I don't remember a whole lot about kindergarten. I went to kindergarten here in Terre Haute. The school is no longer here. Call it school. Anybody here, everyone? Look at this. Hey, yeah, it's nice to say that here in the, where everybody knows. So call it school uh, up here on the north end. And, and uh, I don't remember a lot. I remember milk and crackers. I remember nap time. I remember Miss Cook, however, calling on me and, of course, every other child in the class He said, David, would you stand up and tell us where you live? Tell us your address. So I proudly had done my work, threw back my shoulders and said, 1841 North 10th Street, Terre Haute, Indiana. I couldn't give them a zip code because they didn't have zip codes back then. Okay. But I knew my address. You see, they wanted little children there to be able to memorize their address. If they got lost, they could tell another adult who could get them to their home. I'm not sure they'd do that today. But back then, that's what they did. We all knew where we lived. I'm not Miss Cook. But that's my question to you today. Where do you live? What's your address? Where do you dwell? See, David, David cried out to God, I want to dwell with you. The life of intimacy with Jesus is about dwelling with him. That's my first request. My second request is to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. You know, that's not 
that's not our type of language, you know. That's, that's not really the way that we talk about, oh, I've been gazing on the Lord today. That's not the way we typically talk, but it's good biblical language to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. You see, if you dwell in his house, the most natural thing is to gaze on his beauty because he's there in his house. I am so glad, again, that the Holy Spirit inspired David to use the word gaze instead of glance because I think sometimes we glance at Jesus. It's Sunday morning. We're here to glance at Jesus for a little bit and then we'll go home and we'll look at other things. Ah, see, David understood that his life was going to be a matter of gazing at the beauty of the Lord, of gazing on him, of looking to him. Friends, that's not just an Old Testament concept. That's a New Testament concept. The passage that we read from Hebrews gives us this command, fix your eyes on Jesus. What are you looking at? That's sometimes a phrase we use. What are you looking at? It's a real question, though. What are you looking at? Are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? You see, if you're dwelling in his house, the most natural thing is to gaze on the beauty of Jesus. The Christian life is relationship. Jesus is real. He's not a concept. He's not an idea. He's not merely an historical figure, though he, of course, lived in history. I just spent this last week walking around Israel where Jesus walked. No, I didn't try to walk on the Sea of Galilee. A boat ride was enough. Some places where he walked, I couldn't walk. But you see, Jesus is real, and we gaze on his beauty. The truth of the matter is, we gaze, we gaze on what we love. We learn to fix our eyes on the one that we love. And so we, we ask God, I want to dwell with you, and I want to gaze on your beauty. And the last of these is, I want to seek you. I want to seek you in your temple. Now that temple isn't there. I, I can attest to you there. There's not. There's nothing there but the foundation of that temple. But Jesus is here, and he's real, and we must seek him. Now, that's a problem for a lot of Christians. When I start talking about seeking, sometimes well, Christians will say to me, what are you talking about? I've already found Jesus. What, what, what do you want me to seek? Understand this, is once you have indeed found Jesus, or I prefer that he's found you, the life of seeking begins. You see, it is a continued life of drawing near and of always seeking because Jesus is so huge. He's so magnificent. He's so glorious. You and I will not live long enough to ever get to know him completely. That's going to take the task of eternity to get to know Jesus our life here is a life of seeking him, of desiring to know him better. That's where the Apostle Paul was. 
Paul, towards the end of his life, after that magnificent life that he led, certainly knowing Jesus, still closes out his life in, as he writes to the Philippians, saying this, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul, at the end of his life, is still saying, I press on. There's still more. I've got to know Jesus more. I love that passage in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, where Paul says, remember, at the end of his life, I want to know Christ. Don't tell me you already know him. Oh, I understand that you've begun the relationship with him and he's come to dwell in you, but knowing him will take every bit of energy and time that you have. It's a desire to seek him, to know him better. See, that's worth giving your life for. That's worth laying other things aside and seeking him. You see, the reason David was called a man after God's own heart is he came to God and he says, I just want one thing. I want you. I want to I dwell in your house. I want to live with you. I want to gaze on your beauty. I am, I'm going to spend my days seeking you. You're in the temple. That's where I want to seek you. You're here, I want to seek you here, wherever it is. That's how I want to spend my days. And, and God looked at David and said, now that's, that's what I'm looking for. That, that's a man after God's own heart. I, I don't know about you, but wouldn't that look good? Chiseled on your headstone. Here lies a man or woman after God's own heart. You know what would look better? If it was in quotes and it said, God said. God said, here's someone after my own heart. It comes from simply prayer. It comes from asking. Scripture says clearly, you do not have because you do not ask. This is for everyone, every single one of us to be a person after God's own heart, and you begin to ask him, I want to dwell in your house. I want to gaze on your beauty. I want to seek you wherever you may be found. And I promise you this, that's a prayer God will answer. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this gift of, of prayer. And that through Jesus, you have opened the door, not just of heaven, but the door to your house in the here and now. So, Lord, we come today seeking to dwell, seeking to gaze, seeking you. And I thank you, Lord, that you are not hard to find. You're not hiding from us. You desire that intimate relationship with us. You went to the cross 
so that we can have free access to you. Lord, would you today pour out that spirit of grace and supplication that the prophet Zechariah spoke of, that we may come with boldness into your presence, always seeking you, knowing that you desire to be found by us. We pray it in the powerful name of Jesus.